Jamaica. And um, I was like, she goes, what does that mean, Mommy? And I said, well, I I'm wondering where you got that from because I had not heard this song. First of all, I said, but that's from the movie Rocky. And it means you have to have the dedication to want to accomplish something if you want to succeed. You have to be dedicated. You have to give it your all. Leave nothing on the floor. Give it every fully invested. Someone say fully invested. And right where you are right now with what you have right where you are right now. And that's what it means. Um, of course, uh, Christine loves to sing, and uh, we were blessed by some friends of our, of, of this, in this church of ours and given a room to stay in. And so Jimmy Cooper, Coover, one of her best friends, who also loves to sing, and they just sing nonstop. And uh, so I had them in one other side of the room. The, the hotel actually gave us a room that was open that had a little living room, and I was in the bedroom. And about 1.30 in the morning, I'd just gotten to sleep at almost 2, and I hear these vocalists. I mean, like they are at idol audition, singing their guts out and next to me in the living room. It's the two girls. And I was trying to come awake, trying to get my glasses to get in there to say, oh my Lord, the front desk is going to be at our door any minute. About that time, the phone rang. I knew it was the neighbor or the front desk. In a split second came a knock at the door. I knew it was the front desk. And uh, I just went, we just went and just said, uh, girls, be quiet, be quiet. You're just half out of my mind because I'd been in a late service there at Trinity and spoke through the door. And I said, are they too loud? And she said, yes, they are too loud. I said, I promise you they won't sing anymore. Get ready to go back to my bedroom. And they both said, we got the eye of the tiger. I said, girls, don't sing another word. Turn the light out. You are going to bed. It's 2 a.m. We are going to be asked to leave this. The police are going to come. They're going to ring. I mean, you have to get you really serious with people at 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, go to sleep. But you know what? The next morning they said, well, y'all talked about your roar. We just got our roar on. I said, but not at 2 o'clock in the morning. Come on, somebody. Um, but that eye of the tiger and, and, and we, we just, I prayed that we would run into no one at breakfast and we, we had our makeup on and everything. We just act like we didn't know anybody. We never saw anybody. It was all good. But the eye of the tiger, I want to read a passage from you tomorrow's veterans day. We didn't, we chose not to show a clip. I'm not preaching about veterans, but yet their message will come through one way or the other. I'm going to read to you from Hebrews 10 and 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Someone say great reward, for you have need of endurance. Look at your neighbor and say, you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. When do you get the promise? After you've done the will of God. Look at your neighbor and say, it's after you do the will. You receive the promise. Powerful, powerful. Thank you, girls. In Hebrews 12, 2 and 3, looking unto Jesus, a familiar passage, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, someone say the joy, that was set before him endured the cross. Um, veterans endured the battles at Normandy and D-Day. I've preached so many messages on that. I want to do a whole message on that, but I think I've probably exhausted your patience with that. But they endured what they went through knowing that there was a battle worthy of something greater than themselves. Jesus endured the cross knowing that the blood would speak a better word. Amen. I wish I had written that song. Is that not the best lyrics of a song? The blood speaks a better word than any other phrase I've heard upon this earth. Oh my goodness, that's poetic. Um, for consider him him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. It's time to get the eye of the tiger. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to get the eye of the tiger. It says, remember Christ, unless you become weary 
in your soul. And then we're going to look at someone who did not do this. And second Kings will go there in a moment in this short message. Um, let's pray. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit again. I ask you to speak what is necessary, dismiss what is not. I just depend on you, Holy Spirit. I thank you for your anointing in this room. I thank you that you know how to speak what I don't speak. So for the next about 35 minutes, help us to sequester our minds so we will hear what you want to say to us. What happened yesterday is great. This morning was awesome. Tonight might even be better, Lord, when I'm laying on my couch. But right now, Lord Jesus, is where you are. So I'm going to tune in because no one that ever came to you left the same, but they left different. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. Uh, Friday night, uh, Maria Clark, one of the graduates who helped me in children's ministry, is just blessing to my soul, kindred daughter that I performed her wedding a few weeks ago, was there with her stepmom, which is a restoration of its own. But I pulled her up in front of the whole hundreds of women there and talked about her testimony and everything. And I noticed that she posted on Facebook, you know, giving glory to God and all that. And then she said, I got my roar back. I'm getting my roar back. And it's awesome to see what God can do when we get the eye of the tiger. Come on, someone. You know what? We, let me just go ahead and read this and we'll get into it. I'm going to read out of uh, Sisters, 2 Kings and 13, what I read to you the other day. Just listen along as I read everyone and we can move more speedily through these few moments. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, everyone say Joash, the king of Israel came to him and wept over his face and said, oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen. He said that because Elijah had gone up in a chariot of fire and with a horseman, and he assumed the same thing was going to happen. If they were in a battle beyond with the Syrians, the Syrians were outnumbered them 10 to 1. King Joash didn't know what he was going to do. He had less than he'd ever had in his life. Anyone say amen? He had less strength. He had less resources. He had less tool. He had lost his roar. He had lost his eye of tiger. He had lost his brush and his comb. Come on, somebody. He had lost it all. And in this moment, he's thinking, God's going to do exactly what God did before to get me through that. Isn't that the way we do? We think we can attribute to God a source or a way that he can do things the way he did it before. But God has a new strategy. Someone say a new strategy. Because he thought maybe Elisha's going to go up in a chariot and I'm going to get his mantle. But Elisha said to him, King, take a bow and some arrows. So the king took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. Diana, I'm not making you come up for this illustration. <laughs> we did the other day. Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. Everyone do this right here in front of you. Put your hand on the bow. And then Elisha put his hand over his hand. Just do that, just like that. Say, God's hand is on top, come on, of what I have. Say, God's hand is on top of what I have. Put your hands down. See, that was a message right there. He should have known God's hand. You got to be fully invested and get the eye of the tire because God's hand is on whatever he has given you right now. His hand is not on what he gave you 20 years ago. What I did 10 years ago, when I was there Friday night, it was a, a different atmosphere, very annoying. I guess I got shot down seven times preaching, but there they had all kind of different things going on because it was a new day. God's hand is not on what was in yesterday. God's hand is on today. So then he said, open the east window, and the king opened it, and Elisha said, now shoot. Everyone say, shoot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance in the area of deliverance from Syria is with you. You must strike the Syrians at effect till you have destroyed them. Say, strike until you're done. 
That means that, and we'll, I'll come back to read some more of this in a moment, that means to stay at something till it's finished. There's not a lot of that going on in this world today. Can I get an amen? Isaiah 9 and 7 says, The passionate commitment of the Lord shall accomplish this. It means that God doesn't meet our momentary expectations that he might exceed them in the final outcome. God has more in his heart for us. He had more in his heart for this king than the king had himself. You're going to see that in a moment. God has a better day at the end of the day for you if you trust him and shoot the arrow believing that his hand is on you than you thought for yourself. In the 1940s, an influential psychological experiment was done at the University of Pennsylvania by Martin Seligman, who was a graduate student. He did this with dogs, and to make it quick and short, there was a little place where they would get shocked um, in this box. And then all the dogs that had been shocked, he put a little barrier. If they just jumped over the barrier the shock would stop. It was a low barrier. It would even take energy, just take one energy, one little, whoop, little movement of their foot to get over the barrier and the shocks would stop. But the dogs that had been shocked would not, no matter how much they tried, walk over the barrier, even though they watched other dogs. Oh, come on, there's a message in here. Y'all just go home at this. And you say, okay, we will. But I say, stay with me, people. Um, they would watch other dogs walk over this barrier but they did it because they had been shocked. Selgman described this phenomenon as learned helplessness. Everyone say learned helplessness. It's the giving up reaction, the quitting response that follows the belief that what you do doesn't matter and nothing will ever change. Learned helplessness. We pray and believe God for miracles, but we lose the eye of tiger because God then we spend our lives trying to stay out of the context in which a miracle is needed. Can I get an amen? Oh, we want to see miracles. But then when something gets tight, we want to get out of that spot. Instead of realizing there are 8,000 promises in God's word, which means there are 8,000 opportunities for me to get my eye of my tiger back. Can you say amen? The army was reduced in Israel to 50 chariots, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers. The king of Aram had killed all the others before him that was against this king, the king of Syria. He had wreaked havoc. Someone say havoc. He had depleted the military of Israel. Sometimes the enemy comes in and we feel like he has depleted us of our strength. He has depleted us of our energy. And that eye of the tiger that says, you're gonna hear me roar. Now, Katie might be saying it different though her mama is a Pentecostal preacher, but she might be saying it different than what we believe, but our belief is we're going to roar because the lion of the tribe of Judah is with us. Can you say amen? And that he had gone through, and it was a point in history, those points in our life when we feel depleted, when we feel like there's not enough strength, there's not enough joy, there's not enough the eye of tiger. I've tried that before. We wonder if that's what the king was feeling and what he was doing in this moment, and he lacked persistence. Let me read. And so then he said, you are to destroy them. Say, that was God's will. God's will in your life and my life is not half measures. God's not going to say, I'm just going to get Hannah to the point that she's got half joy. I'm just going to get Pastor Todd to a place that he's just got a half measure of life. Just a little bit of peace, little bit of finances. I'm going to just keep him in that one side of that box on where he's constantly shocked and stung. Sometimes we get in a season, we lose our roar and our eye of the tiger. And every movie, 
in which someone gets back the eye of the tiger, when is the moment they get it back? At the very worst moment. I mean, if you've ever watched Rocky, when he, uh, are y'all even old enough to know about Rocky? How many know about Rocky? Okay. Okay, Pastor Todd's with me and all the people over 40 say amen. But we cut our teeth on Rocky movies. And that moment when he's so down, Adrian, Adrian. I mean, if I'm across an airport, I don't care if it's Los Angeles, there's two things that will be said. I'll know it's Pastor Hank. Adrian, Adrian. And I know he's, he always yells at me in the Sylvester Stallone, Adrian, Adrian. And uh, the other thing is, um, he gives his name as Ted Nugent if he goes ahead of us at a restaurant. And uh, they'll say, um, how many in your party? Three, and it's Ted Nugent. And I know that he's given that name. But anyway, and, and other things. But, uh, but in anyway, and then speaks in Korean, but I can't remember that. But uh, there's that moment in Sylvester Stallone's life. And what makes it so powerful is the odds are so against him. But don't we want to avoid that in our families? Don't we want to avoid that in our finances? Come on, someone. Don't we want to avoid that? And when the allies went to Normandy, they didn't want the odds to be against them. They didn't want to fight Hitler. They didn't, they didn't want everything to be against them, against him making that thing. But they went on with that eye of tiger. But we want to avoid that moment. But that moment in Rocky, when that song starts, dun, 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 Now do y'all know what Rocky is? Okay. Anyway, they used to put that on at the gym when we were doing, you know, uh, lunges. And honestly, you just felt like I can lunge into the middle of the city. I can leap over the Capitol. I can fly to the mountain because it just empowered you. Once you see someone get the eye of the tiger, you are never the same. Once you see someone overcome odds, you never thought they would overcome. You are never the same until you get into the odds yourself. And you got to dig through your swamp mind and remember to get the eye of the tiger. Everyone say, I need the eye of the tiger. I need that perseverance, that endurance. I need to keep going because God's will was that the king completely destroyed the Syrian's army. We question, what is God's will? I don't know if I really want to give full measure because what if God doesn't come through? What, what, what if I don't believe? And that's where we've got to get strong in our convictions. To get your roar back, number one, revisit the seat of your convictions. Revisit the seat of your convictions. You cannot revisit passion to get the eye of your tiger back because passion fleeting, right? Amen. Feelings are fleeting, but the seat of your convictions on what you believe. Um, Lee Strobel wrote the book, The Case for Christ. Lee Strobel wrote for New York Times. He's a prolific author. He got miraculously saved. He spends his whole life winning heathen atheists to Jesus. Uh, he's worked a lot with Bill Hybels. And a few years ago, several of his atheist friends said to him, you Christians are afraid to debate what you believe. And, and you know, I started thinking about this, and, and in many ways we are. Why do you believe that? Well, I don't know, we just believe it. We need to have conviction and knowledge why we believe what we believe and that we believe in a Christ. Did you know we're the only religion on the planet that has our history and archaeology, that word, that you can go back and see in natural ways. I've stood at Galilee. I've stood at all those places. I've stood at the Mount of Beatitudes. We're the only Christians, but we don't want to debate that. And so a major atheist said to him that led a great organization, 
you know, you won't debate us. And Lee Strobel, in a moment of passion and commitment, said, okay, we, we're, we're going to debate. Let's put it on at Willow Creek. It seats 12,000, and we'll invite heathens to come. In fact, we'll invite every atheist around. We won't even fill the place with believers. So this atheist, and then the gentleman that debated him, I can't remember his name, but a, a, a very strong defender of the faith, they got up that, that night, 12,000 came into the room. The man came up to give the case for Christ and in words that were weighed and knowledgeable and with conviction, but with information, he argued the case for Christ. They said it was amazing. When he was done, the atheist came and stood behind the same pulpit. When he got ready to speak, he looked just slightly stunned. What they did not tell the atheist, and I'm going to try not to run around the room and shout my hairpiece off this morning, but what they did not tell the atheist, that underneath where he stood was a group of 12 intercessors. Come on, someone. In the lower case, right underneath, they were locked hands, praying quietly, silently speaking the word of God, applying the blood that speaks a better word. So when the atheist stood there, he was shaken. He went on to give his defense as weakly as he possibly could, not understanding what in the world was going on with him. But what was going on with him was it was being assured and it was being confirmed that the power of the cross is greater than any doubt we will ever have. When he was done, they polled the audience. They came up and gave a salvation plea. 3,000 of the atheists, this is documented, it's documented, came forth to give their heart to Christ. Somebody give God a shout of praise. It's okay to know what you believe and to have perseverance. Um, there's a scripture that says, be stout-hearted. Psalms 27, 11 through 14. Hope in the Lord, be stout-hearted and decided in your conviction. Then God will instill courage. When I get firmly believing that I'm going to make it and I firmly believe that God's going to help me, then the courage comes. But we want the courage first. Come on, we want the roar first. We want that first instead of deciding in our mind and in our spirit, I am going to make it. My roar may sound like, rawr, rawr, but I am going to make it because there comes a moment like Rocky. There comes a moment in all the movies. Right before it goes up, it goes way down. And we've all seen that in our life. But that moment when they begin to soar, it's because someone got the eye of the tiger and believed, you know what? I'm going to leave it all on the floor. If there's one person that's going to get delivered from drugs, I'm going to be that person. If there's one person that's going to have a healthy, healthy marriage and raise godly children, even though seven generations before me didn't, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. If there's one person that endured, I love the movie October Baby, it's so beautiful, you should watch it, about a girl that uh, survived abortion and she decided she was going to make it and her parents decided, you're worth it. You know, there's just that one moment. Did you know that Dr. Seuss's first book was rejected by 27 publishers? His books went on to sell six million copies. Vince Lombardi did not become a head coach in the NFL NFL till he was 46. During the first year of business, the Coca-Cola company averaged sales of nine drinks per day. How many of us would quit? Henry Ford's first car company went bankrupt and his second car company failed, but he got the eye of the tiger and the rest is history. Michelangelo endured four years laying on his back to uh, scaffold to paint this on the scaffold to paint the Sistine Chapel, which is beautiful. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team because they 
they said he was too short and he'd never make it. I know that coach hates himself today. Come on, somebody, because he didn't see it. In 1905, the University of Bern rejected a PhD dissertation saying it was irrelevant and fanciful and would come to nothing. But Albert Einstein was disappointed, but not defeated, and he persevered. He got his eye of the tiger back. Come on, somebody. He got his eye of the tiger back. Frank Woolworth borrowed $300 to spend, open his first store and then saw his first five chain stores fail. But I bet if anybody around here knows Woolworth, they made a lot of money because they did not give up. A high school basketball coach was attempting to motivate his players to persevere, to get the eye of the tiger. And he said, did Michael Jordan ever quit? What about the Wright brothers? Okay, what about Tiger Woods? Still no. And the team yelled no. He said, what about Elmer McAllister? Did he ever quit? It was a long silence. Finally, one player was bold enough. He was always the one. Who is Elmer McAllister? We never heard of him. And the coach said, of course you never heard of him because he quit. <laughs> what God wants to still do through you and in you, through your family, through this country, through this church, your church, through whatever you're connected to in the future, we can't give up. Harriet Beecher Stowe said this, never give up, for that's just the place and the time that the tide will turn. The provision of God is right before you. The darkest hour is just before the dawn. The best is yet to be because joy comes in the morning. She said, press on, press on. Don't be deceived. Don't be dismayed. Keep on, keep on because no one likes the valley. But guess what? The mountaintop comes right after that. Can you give God a hand clap of praise for that in this house? In the 1940s, there was a man named um, Clarence Jordan. You've not heard of him. I've never heard of him. Maybe you have. Um, and in America's Georgia, he wanted to build a Coenia farm. And it was for the black and white poor to live together, to feed them. But the resistance came from the local churches. Hello, people. Days of segregation. They boycotted him. They slashed the tires of anyone that came over to help him. For 14 years, they tried to help him. 1954, the KKK had enough. And they went in and they burnt the barn down. They burnt everything. They, they filtered the farm. They did everything but leave Clarence's home and they shot bullets all through the windows. Only one family stayed, one black family. Everyone else just ran. They said, we can't handle this. One family stayed. Clarence recognized the voices of the Klansmen, as you might guess, some of the church people he had been worshiping. Remember, mean spiritual people are the meanest people on the planet. Religious, not spiritual. Come on. But another was a local newspaper reporter. He recognized that voice. The next day, that same reporter came out to see what Clarence was doing. He found Clarence standing there in the field, hoeing and planting again, hoeing. He said, I heard the awful news, and I came out to do the story of the tragedy of the farm closing. I, you know, hate this for you. Clarence just kept hoeing and planting, knowing he'd heard that very voice the night before in the KKK. The reporter kept prodding and kept poking, trying to get a rise out of this quietly determined man that seemed to be just intent on planting bags when everything around him was destroyed, to doing what he did with what he had where he was. Finally, the reporter said in a haughty voice, well, Dr. Jordan, he had two PhDs, Dr. Jordan did, you got uh, two of those PhDs and you've put 14 years into this farm and there's nothing left of it. Just how successful do you think you've been? Clarence stopped hoeing, turned toward the reporter with his penetrating blue eyes and said quietly but firmly, about as successful as the cross, sir. I don't think you understand this, and you probably thought the cross wasn't successful as well, but it's about faithfulness and enduring to the end. We're staying. Good day. 
Have a nice day. Beginning that day, Clarence and his companions rebuilt Koinia, and the farm is still going strong today because someone stayed persevering. That's why in your life, well, sometimes we can't imagine how God could bring out, and this king could not imagine. Maybe along with the apostle Paul, he could have said out of 2 Corinthians 1, we were burdened beyond measure, above strength. When that, in the, in the uh, Greek, that means to lay you on your stomach, put your hands behind your back, tie your hands together, and then put like the weight of a car on your back. Anybody think that sounds like a few days of your life? And that's what that word means. We were burdened beyond measure. Someone say beyond. Means we were burdened beyond measure, above our strength. I love it when people just speak what they're going through. Come on, so we can learn. And we despaired of even living. What he said, we never thought we would live through this. Neither did Clarence Jordan, neither did all those people who didn't give up, and neither did Rocky in the, in the movie Rocky, Sylvester Stallone. Neither did the people who have made a difference. He said, but as a result, everyone say, as a result, we learned not to rely on ourselves. Well, I thought I got that lesson in 72. Anybody else? I thought I got that lesson in 96. Anybody else? Come on now. I thought I got that lesson six years ago, but somehow the Lord is, puts us continuously in seasons that we will find we will learn again. No, you still rely a little bit on yourself, but I said, put your hand on the bow and my hand is on top of you. I want you to get the eye of the tiger because I'm the lion who roars and I am he who raises from the dead. And Paul said, we are confident as we not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead and that he will still deliver us. Come on, somebody, and give God a shout of praise. We're almost done. Whoever's going to play for me, come and play for me. I'm, I'm going to preach a little bit more, but come and play, and they'll think we're closer than we are. Um, verse 18 you're glad, you're glad I'm tired this morning. Verse 18, so he says to them, the will of God, say the will of God is that you will completely. What does completely mean? Fully, all the way, 100%. The eye of the tiger comes back when I revisit my convictions, number one in my belief, that God says I can destroy what is against me that I can destroy whatever that enemy is, whether it's fear and inadequacy, less that I can do that. You see that he would fully destroy. Everyone say fully. So that's the word of God. That's what the word speaks to us. What the king should have done is, he should have said, if this is my reality, you know, there's always a shift in scripture. There was a shift when Hannah was barren. After a long season of barren, the Bible says in the NIV that she stood up before, from the dinner table, she just stood up, said she rose and she went forth. She stood up, that was the shift when she said, you know what, if this is my reality, I'm gonna meet my reality. If this is the reality of what I'm living in and where I am, I'm not gonna pull the shades, eat a gallon of ice cream and plunge my mind into Lifetime or Oprah. Come on, somebody. We look at ways to escape instead of ways to build our faith. We work so hard on escape. And I've told you that before, Billy Burke said to me about a year and a half ago, he goes, God is teaching you to work on your faith and not your escape. Work on your faith. Because we look, how can I escape this job? How can I escape this place, Hope House? How can I escape um, the, my responsibilities? How can I escape? So we look for ways to entertain. I'm all about entertaining yourself. I'm all about the therapy of entertainment. In fact, the Coovers called me last night on their road back, said the, the show Arrow. Pastor Rhonda, we forgot to tell you, another Jack Bauer kind of thing. You got to watch Arrow. 
They said, we watched the whole season in two days. You know, I'm all about that. I'm all about things and that you do. But you know what? Sometimes we look to things to escape instead of to build our faith. Because it's easier, isn't it? It's easier for me to walk out on you. Oh, it's so much easier than to show up. It's easier for me to escape any situation. This church trinity that just came through all of this, 80% escaped. Only to Pastor Randy is still there. And I said to him, Pastor Randy, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm so dramatic. And they're, they're laughing and crying with me. I said, Pastor Randy, I'm giving you a standing O in my mind. You stood and you stayed when no one did. I'm, I'm applauding you. And look what God is doing. He said it was hard. Pastor Randy, we just held on to the prophecy over this place. We just held on to what we believed in our heart. Those were some of the darkest days. We just put our butt in the seat. And there was time we didn't want to put our butt in the seat. You ever been there to your job? Come on, somebody. You ever been there in a relationship with someone you didn't like? Come on, somebody. Well, I'm here. My butt's in the seat. Forgive me if that's offending you. Well, we'll get more better. We'll get something better later. But anyway, so we just put our butts in the seat. It was horrible. There was times where just, it was just nothing, nothing, a long time of nothing. But there comes a shift when you say, if this is my reality, I'm going to meet it. And you know what? I'm going to rise up. There's a Hannah in this room that needs to rise up in your present situation. And I, I know we've got a beautiful Hannah, but I'm speaking to spiritual Hannahs. I'm going to meet my reality. You see, you're not always going to be weak. You're not always going to think, you know what? The king could have said, maybe Syria's king has defeated everybody else, but I'm not going to be defeated. And you know what? This thing is not going to have its effect on me. I am not going to have a nervous breakdown. You're not going to have to come visit me. I'm speaking metaphorically or whatever, analogy, whatever. Um, you are not, what I did in the last season when I hit this trouble, I'm not going to do this time. I got a roar. I got the eye of the tiger. If this is my reality, I'm going to stand up, not in the strength of who I am, but the strength of the God who takes the poor from the dusk and sits them at the king's table. Come on, somebody. That's why it says of the Proverbs 31, Mom, she can laugh at the future because she's not even worried. This is my reality. I'm going to do what I have to do. First Peter 1 and 17, I've already passed that, so we're just going to keep going. But God gives him a strategy. He says, shoot that arrow out the window. Sometimes we don't like the strategy. Nehemiah, rebuild steps. Little boy, give me your fishes and loaves. And we want such big, super spooky things. Not go clean that commode. Not just be a servant, not bake a cake, not feed the world with taco soup, my next hit book. Um, you know, we just think, oh God, don't you got something bigger than that? God, don't you have a divine, very, very spiritual looking strategy? Like I shall ascend to a white blanket and fly high like Aladdin. Come on, somebody. Us that have known God a long time, we get spookier in our strategies. But the older I get, the simpler I get in my strategies. Show up, Ron, to put your butt in the seat. Come on, somebody. Show up. Give a kind word. Encourage someone. Did you know even in our worship, when we close in a moment with a song, did you know even in your worship, God puts anointing on you? Did you know when a shepherd picked up a sheep, he anointed that sheep with oil under his arms, all down his back and his neck? Why? Because when a sheep would wonder, that's why the Bible says in Psalms 23, he anointed my head with, and, and he makes a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Reason it says that because the shepherd would put oil on. That's what happens during worship in the word. This morning there was oil flowing. Well, I didn't see nothing, Betty. Hermie, I didn't see nothing. Did you feel anything? No, but you were still in the presence of an anointing, a power. 
Because the shepherd would do that because if the sheep wandered off or if the sheep got around another group, you know you're going to be around other groups all this week that do not know you're Jesus. You're going to be around enemies of discouragement and doubt. And those insects would get on the hoof of the sheep and they would climb up. Their goal was to get to the ear. If they got to the ear, they would bury larvae in the ear of the sheep. Once an insect went in there, it was like a parasite would form. The first thing would happen, you see an insect of, deer, of doubt, fear, past sin, discouragement, the voice of Satan, it wants to get in there and dull you. The first thing is the sheep couldn't hear the shepherd's voice. Rhonda, Rhonda, how many times we said, Lord, I was waiting for you to speak my name, you didn't, and he was, but those insects we let burrow in our head, that defeat, that discouragement, that whatever began to get in there. And all of a sudden you see, but that oil when it's on there, when the insects try to crawl up of doubt and fear this morning in worship, that anointing that came on you when insects in the world come in to try to discourage you, to keep that eye of the tiger out of you, that anointing makes it slippery. The reason the shepherd put it on the sheep so that when the insects climbed up, they had nothing to hold on to. When I get into the presence of the Lord, come on somebody, when I get into the presence of the Lord, when I begin to worship, when I'm fully invested and I begin to worship him, there's an anointing that resides. It, it's like the dew, it's residue, it stays on me. My shepherd is anointing me because when I go out those doors, it may be at my house tonight, it may be Tuesday, it may be Thursday, it may be Wednesday, whatever. Those insects come and they try to climb up those voices that come at parasites because if they went deep into the brain, they destroyed the very brain of the sheep and the sheep would die. That's why God anoints your head with oil and that anointing rises up. It's strange strategy. Logic is wonderful. It creates order and it creates purpose, but faith is a gift he gives to create miracles. Logic produces order, but faith will produce miracles. God does not consult your logic to get a miracle. And so the king says to him, he says, God has given you the victory. Say, God has given you the victory. But verse 18, he then said, take the arrows. So the king took them. And he said, now, king of Israel, strike the ground. So the king struck the ground three times and he stopped. And Elisha was angry with him. He said, you should have persevered. You should have gotten the eye of the tiger. You should have kept striking. You didn't know what was coming. You should have struck five or six times and you would have struck Syria, Syria, because he was country from Tennessee. You would have destroyed Syria, but now you will only strike Syria three times. This is so powerful because God's will was full victory. But the king is just like us when we lose our eye of tiger. I don't want to strike again. I don't want to do that again. I don't. Sometimes what we forget is the things that made us greater, the very things we abort in our life. The worship, the word, the things, you know, we want to go back to the season. It's not the season we want to go back. God is trying to get you to bring the good things out of that season that you've aborted in this season. The time on the carpet, sucking the carpet, come on. The time worshiping, the time of the word, the time of the eye of the tiger, of, I can do this. The king expected more than this. He wanted him to arrange soldiers, but God said, as we said last Tuesday, sisters, don't concentrate on what you've lost in the past because that's what the king had lost so much. 80% of his army he had lost. He had little resources, but God was saying, pay attention to what's in your hand right now. It's enough. You got little time, 
Pay attention to it, God says to you this morning. You got little energy. I'm telling you, when I go to a pulpit now, I don't have the energy I used to have years. I don't in the physical, I don't. Until my, my, my feet hit that pulpit, I'm kind of like, oh, my 53-year-old menopausal body help me, Jesus. I mean, you know, I used to 20, I feel like I, I elevated to the, you know, I ran. I mean, I used to, and I can still in the spirit outrun anybody. I can, when, when the anointing gets to flowing. But boy, when I get up there, but God says, take that little time you have, take that little energy that you have. Take that little patient that's dwindling with people around you. Take that little bit of love. Take that little act of obedience and keep striking the ground because my hand is on top of your hand. And what looks so small, don't be content with half measures. Elisha was ticked because he said, God has already said full victory. Now that scares me right there, people, because we say God is sovereign. God is sovereign and he is sovereign. But in this passage, he said full victory, but the king would not fully invest. What is on the other side of a full investment of you and I in the kingdom of God? What is on the other side? Therefore, the victory would be limit. Why not full capacity? You see, maybe the king was thinking they're too numerous. Maybe the king was thinking they're too powerful. But you know what? What would the church of Jesus Christ look like if we were like the veterans of our day? If we were like Jesus who says, for the joy that is before me, I'm going to endure. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to believe that that hand on me is a supernatural dividend. That hand on me, come on somebody, that hand on me, I'm almost done musicians if you join me, that hand on me takes the little that I've got. That hand on me takes the little strength. I'm only a little bit of happy. God says that's enough, Rhonda. I'm only a little bit hopeful. God says that's enough. Just fully invest it. Fully invest. I've only got a quarter. You know what that man said, the great missionary, I can't remember his name. I'm rich. I've got 50 cents and all the promises of God. Come on. And he built missionary stakes all over the world. He said, I'm so rich. And they said, what do you got? Focus on what you got this morning. Do you know what? The devil never wakes you up in the middle of the night to tell you, tells you what you have, does he? He wakes you up to tell you what you don't have. Begin to praise God. God, I thank you I've got shoes. They've got dent on the ends of the boots, but I thank you. Jesus, I thank you for that, that can of corn. I thank you for the bag that someone left for Pastor Hank and I with skin cream and, and things in it, toilet paper and paper towel. Oh, it may have seemed little, but God, I was out of paper towels. I was out of toilet paper. Come on, somebody. You see, we begin to praise God for what we do have. I'm created in God's image. I'm, I'm perfectly who I am to be, and I've got an arrow in my hand and God's hand is on top. Leanne, come and join him. On top of that arrow. Say God's hand is on top of me and what I'm doing. You see, fully invested. What is on the other side of our full investment this morning? Stand with me and just stay right here while I finish. Just stand all over the house. And I promise you won't be standing for about two minutes. Come on, stand all over this house and we're going to worship. You see, Noah got the eye of the tiger when he built an ark when God said it was going to rain. What's rain, God? You've never seen it, Noah, but it's coming. Get the eye of the tiger and build it. Fully invest yourself for 120 years where everyone says you're going to fail. Keep doing it. Moses got the eye of the tiger when he raised his rod over the body of the water as if that could do anything. But God's hand was on top of the rod and the water split and the children of Israel walked through on dry ground. 
Sarah got the eye of the tiger when she went shopping at the age of 90 at Walmart for maternity clothes when no one had ever had that to happen before. But she said, God's hand is on me. David picked up one smooth stone against something too big, too massive. But he fully invested himself against odds that had taken other people out. Esther was a modern day tribute in the modern day Hunger Games. And she risked her life. She got the eye of the tiger and fully invested herself. Caleb refused a retirement package and said, No, I have not yet received what God said is mine. I am not moving off of this spot. God wants some of you to realize you're waiting because God wants you to contend for more than you were first praying for. And the waiting time is to get you to contend for greater than you would have accepted in the beginning. Can you say amen? The wise men. Well, first of all, the people marched around Jericho. God, don't you got something better than that? That's such a little strategy, but God said, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it. Bake a cake. Be kind. Be forgiving. Take care of the small things. I'm with you. The wise men kept following the star. People said they were crazy. They used all their investment. But they had the eye of the tiger, believing they'd find it. Peter walked on water with the eye of the tiger. The little boy gave his two loaves and fishes, fully invested. The woman with the issue of the blood had the eye of the tiger, and she pressed through till she got her full healing, not giving up. Blind Bartimaeus cried out in the crowd and people tried to silence him. Mary was pregnant and said the angel said the angel said God did this. Jesus hung on a cross proclaiming with full eye of the tiger to people that didn't believe him that would cast lots at his that would go out to dinner that night while he was in the grave. People that were said he was not the Messiah. People that watched him die a criminal's death. People that watched him hang in shame. He endured the shame and the ridicule. He had the eye of the tiger believing that the God the God who called him son was the God who was with him. And no matter what anyone said to him in that moment, Jesus held on to the high of the tiger as Satan laughed as hell threw a party. Jesus held on to his eye of the tiger and kept striking his arrow until he could say, I have finished the work you have done. And it all would sound silly and we would wonder, except. Listen to this. It did rain and the ark did become a refuge of salvation. Except Moses did divide the Red Sea. Except Sarah did get pregnant and bear the promised son. Except David did kill Goliath. Except the walls of Jericho did come tumbling down. Except Esther did save her people. Except Caleb did march into the promised land. Except the wise men did follow the star and found the Messiah, the Lamb of Glory. Except Peter did walk on the water. Blind Bartimaeus did become a seeing man. Mary did give birth to the Son of Almighty God. And Jesus did die on the cross and was resurrected to the Father's right hand because they did not give up. Now give God a praise. Come on somebody. Give Him a praise. Come on for 30 seconds just praise Him. For 30 seconds just praise Him. For 30 seconds just praise Him. Come on. Come on. Keep working those hands for Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody to come just for about three minutes. Come and stand in these altars. We're going to go back to singing one of these songs. I want to speak. We're going to pray over you as we sing it. Um, one of them that you want to choose, Josh, that you have sung you feel like would be strong and powerful for this moment. The Bible says, dig through your swamp mind like a grave covered with dirt. How are you going to get the eye of tiger? Dig through your mind. 
like a swamped grave covered with dirt. Dig through your mind and get a picture of Jesus who had perseverance. Get a picture. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Let the Bible says, lest you grow weary. He said, I have set my face like a flint and I know I shall not be ashamed. He was the most beat up champion we've ever known. But he stood and guess what? The church of Jesus Christ is still alive. The agenda of the Lamb is still alive. The spirit of Pharaoh is still alive. The spirit of Goliath is, Goliath is alive. All those spirits. But the spirit of Jesus is alive. The Beatles have come and gone. But Jesus is still alive. And this morning I feel as we worship for these closing moments, I feel like the spirit of the Lord wants to touch you, wants you to revisit your conviction. He wants you to remember Christ. He wants you to fully invest would have been my point if I'd remembered the other two and where you are. He wants to remind you of the people that didn't give up. He wants to remind you of the people that did great exploits. This king did not give complete victory because he did not fully invest himself at the worst moment of his life. Right where you are is all you have. Right where you possess is all you have. You don't have what you had yesterday. You don't have what you have tomorrow. But God wants to minister to you. As they began to sing, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. And I just want you to take a moment moment right now to speak your heart to him or if you want to hold your hands before you however you want to pray standing do that do that right here right here as they began to sing come on right here right here and right now 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 father in the name of jesus we speak life and we speak wholeness and we speak the eye of the tiger conviction we thank you lord jesus for the blood we thank you lord jesus for the blood let's sing that let's sing we thank you for the blood right now we thank you for the blood jesus we thank you for the blood jesus we thank you for the blood lord we ask you right now with what we have